You're out of your goddamn minds. Are you listening to me? You're both of you nuts. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> Movie night, the second episode. We're very excited to be back. And we got a little plot twist, as Our... they say in the movie industry, right? No. We're not reviewing Shang-Chi we like you said we were. We're not reviewing it at all. We can do like two seconds. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll mention it. Um, it was it was okay. Yeah, that's enough. That's all we need. All right. I mean, but it was no offense to those who love. Yeah, it, we just decided that we wanted to focus on movies that we're more passionate about. Um, that was the whole point of this podcast. Yeah, that's the whole point of this podcast. So today we have a special episode because we're going to be reviewing one of the greatest movies of all time, in my opinion. Also, it's like the first actual episode. So. Yeah, true. Uh, and it's also the cover of of the of the the podcast. Until we get copyrighted. Until we get caught. No, don't can't be saying that. <laughs> We're gonna be talking today about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, John Hughes uh, written and directed this movie, and it holds a very special place in my heart because it is very good. Yeah, also an '80s movie, '86. Also an '86 movie, '80s. <laughs> also an '80s movie. McKenna loves '80s movies, as she mentioned. So this really, this is the perfect movie for the two of us to talk about. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. What? I well at first John I, yeah John Hughes if you guys don't know is one of the best movie directors of all time. He was born in 1950. I didn't know that. I'm not gonna do like a whole bio on him, but thought that was interesting. But his first movie was National Lampoon's Class Reunion '82. Mm-hmm. He did Sixteen Candles in '84, Breakfast Club in '85, Pretty in Pink in '86, and that was in January. And then like six months later, Ferris Bueller. Those are like what I think are the best John Hughes movies. And we'll get into this, but I think it is interesting how there are like some ties to like The Breakfast Club and, you know, just whether it's with actors or, you know, thematic elements, mm. but we, we love John Hughes here. Yeah, I honestly, I'm a John Hughes noob. I only have seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, Unbelievable. It's crazy. I, I know. I don't know why, but I love this movie because I think it's one of those movies that it's very relatable in a lot of ways, at least personally. I feel like I see myself in a lot of the characters. It just It's just a very personal movie in a lot of ways to me. And I think I share that with a lot of people. I mean, I don't know about you, but yeah. like a lot of the things that Cameron's going through throughout the movie and the way Fer- Ferris is, is just a child, you know, and his childish boyish charm. You know, I think we embody a lot of these characteristics, you know, going through high school and into college. And that's what I really love about it the most is just is just the the, the connection I, I you can feel to the characters while watching it. I think, too, it's changed how I've seen the movie, at least as I've grown up. I feel mm-hmm. like I've seen it differently going into high school and then in high school and now in college. I think maybe <coughs> when I was younger, it's more about Ferris, right? But like yeah. we were saying, because we watched it the other night, being, I think maybe older, like I'm now realizing it's really a lot about Cameron. Cameron definitely has the deepest storyline in the movie. He's a very uh, troubled kid. Like mentally, he's he's depressed. He has, you know, a lot of issues with his parents and his relationship with them. Um, and he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. And his best friend who he mentions he's known at least since fifth grade is Ferris Bueller, who is a borderline superhero and uh, can do whatever he wants and everything comes naturally to him. And uh, that's tough for a person like Cameron who never got the support from his parents that he wanted and needed. And it's just, it's it's very subtle, like the way that John Hughes really 
projects these characteristics is is very subtle you know it's not yeah. it's not right in your face this is you know obviously Cameron blows up in the end of it but the way he he really shows Cameron's emotions through his interactions with other people and like I don't want to talk, jump into the movie the, the museum scene quite yet because we we'll could talk there. about that we'll for, <laughs> for 20 minutes but uh yeah it's just it's very well done in that regard yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, we were reading, like, a blog the other night. We have to find a way to, like, share this stuff or something. But, like, they're just saying how, like, he's, like, both physically, like, physically sick in the beginning of the movie, but also, like, emotionally sick of, like, the inability to defend himself and, like, stand up to his father and, like, his father's lack of love. Also, as a side note, I'm happy that they don't actually show his parents in the movie. I think that would have added another complexity that just, it wouldn't, it yeah. wouldn't have added anything. But... Going off of what you're saying about the relationship between he and Ferris, I thought this was really interesting because, like, in some ways, like, Cameron could be really jealous of Ferris, right? Ferris has the girlfriend, the popularity, the supportive family, the parents that love him, everything, right? And Cameron really doesn't have any of that. And I feel like today, like, or maybe, like, in real life, like, maybe that's people be more jealous. I think maybe that would be, like, their first, I don't know. But instead, I think he looks at Ferris as, like, almost like a goal in a way or like an inspiration because then by the end of the movie you can see that Ferris kind of indirectly helps him you know kind of mm-hmm. grow up yeah I know what you're saying he he doesn't he he's clearly not a jealous person yeah um, no he Cameron is is on his own quest and, and I do want to credit the article um it's called great character uh Cameron Fry written by Scott Myers it's the, an article we read about Cameron's character and there were some good like quotes in there about Cameron and, and uh, like one thing that that Scott Myers mentioned was that Cameron's father's uh, love for physical things created a what's wrong with me complex in Cameron and I think that's super true I think that his whole life his father didn't have that that intimate the love for his child it was always for his car more materialistic things he I don't think he ever really was able to find himself you know because he always thought there was something wrong with him so I think like in a lot of ways, Ferris is taking this day off to explore the city and, you know, find new things in Chicago or as Cameron's trying to find himself. He's taking a leap of faith here because he doesn't want to go leave his safety of his bed and whatever. He's, he's pushing himself out of his comfort zone. He, he wants to find something new. You know, he wants to find himself. Yeah. But, and like yeah. he said to Ferris at the end of the movie, he's like, if I really didn't want you know, to let you take the car and to go out. Like, I wouldn't have let you, yeah. you know, but he's, at the end of the day, he he did. And I think, like, it was really cool there are parts throughout the movie where I think he, like, Ferris, I think, gives him, without meaning to, these opportunities to, like, grow up. Like, like when he's on the phone with Rooney, right, and he's, like, mm-hmm. yelling at him, pretending to be Sloane's father. Like, and he's really, like, getting his own thoughts out. Or maybe, like, that's what his own dad says to him. I don't know. But mm-hmm. This was, like, another quote from that article, I think. It was, like, Ferris is the type to make things happen while Cameron lets things happen. Speaking of Rooney, on a more lighthearted note, the, there's some really hilarious... Rooney. He has to be one of, like, my favorite oh characters. Oh, my God. He and Cameron, I think, are my... Yeah. Rooney, <laughs> as an antagonist in this movie, is perfect. And his relationship with his assistant, Grace, just their their dynamic is so good. Grace is pulling pencils out of her hair and she's yeah. running around like trying to, you know, anything for you, Rooney. Like, uh, you know, she adores him, but she's the only one. No one else has any <laughs> respect for that man, but oh, it's so good. I saw a cool thing that was like Ferris and Rooney never actually talk like to each other. It's more like they talk at each other because like 
when he's like on the phone. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it never matches yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was funny. Also, I spent some time listening to the John Hughes commentary over this movie, and we we've we've accumulated quite a bit of fun facts from this movie, including the fact that he wrote it in like four days. Which is That's a mind insane. blowing fact that this movie was written in four days. But even before that, the way like he pitched it to Ned Tavernier, I guess was like the head of Paramount at the time. It was one sentence. It was like, I want to do this movie about a kid who takes a day off from school. And that's all I know so far. And like, I think that's so funny that like Ned was basically like, go for it. I don't know if that would have happened if he hadn't had the track record of Oh, definitely not. Breakfast Club, 16 definitely Candles. Not. Like, yeah. But those were all like so like. Those are just in like the last like three years or something before this yeah. movie. Like it's such a great like prompt though. Like I feel like oh, that's yeah. like the perfect like I would have so much fun with that. Like make a movie about a kid taking off a day from school. It's, it's a kind so of loosey goosey. Like, yeah, yeah. It's very original. Ah. Well, it's that thing of like I feel like I mentioned this like I feel like you cut it last week, but like how, <laughs> like like there's like 36 different like tropes or or like story types or yeah. something, and like everything fits into like one of those 36. But like. I just feel like it's such an original, like, no one could have made a movie. Like, like if that's, like, the idea, like, I feel like no one, I don't know. It's so well done. Yeah. So well done. It is very original. And speaking of original, the museum. <laughs> All right, we're going into the, the museum. museum. When they go into the Chicago Institution of Art, best scene in any movie ever. Oh. It's it so good. We don't want to mess it up talking about it <laughs> yeah, in I some mean, ways. Like, it's uh, the music. It's, and, it's like, like, it's completely different from the rest of the movie. They go into the <laughs> the museum. Yeah. And John Hughes just shoots around the museum. He just still shots of, of some of his favorite paintings. He, he mentions in the commentary about how he used to go to this museum a lot as a kid. So he, he pays homage to a lot of his favorite paintings in this scene. And the Smiths please, please, please let me get what I want. The instrumentals playing in the back, which is one of my favorite songs because of this movie. The last bit of this montage is, I mean, obviously there's the iconic scenes of Ferris, Sloan, and Cameron like standing with their arms crossed. It's all improvised. All like. improvised as well. Um, standing in front of the three paintings, like those shots. But then it ends with uh, cutting back and forth between Sloan and Ferris kissing in front of this stained glass. yeah stained glass yeah. window and Cameron standing in front of this painting I, I wish I had the name of the painting yeah. written down so in the in the John Hughes commentary of the over the museum scene um, he kind of describes the intent of of some of these shots especially with Cameron looking at this painting I think it's it's really powerful and something that you don't really think of on first watch in the movie but it's it's really it's really beautiful. So I'm gonna play that audio clip so you can listen to it at home. My favorite. Put each of them in front of them, and then this 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 picture, which I always thought this painting was sort of like making a movie, you know, the pointillist style, which are very very close to it. You don't have any idea what you've made until you step back from it. Um, I used it in this context to see he, he's looking at that little girl, which again is you know a mother and a child. The closer he looks at the child the less he sees, of course, with this style of painting, or any style of painting, really. But the more he looks at it, it, it there's nothing there. And I think he's, he, he fears that, that the more you look at him, the less you see there isn't anything there. That's him. I feel like we can't, like, 
top that. Like no, he explains yeah. it perfectly. He really, he really just says everything you need to know. Um, I definitely didn't understand that like the first time no. I ever watched the movie. No, it's a very particular like. I feel like only John Hughes really knew what what he was doing there. Yeah. Um, and hearing him say that is just makes it so much more interesting. Um, and it opens up this whole dialogue of Cameron, and obviously he's he's going through a lot at this time in the movie and in life. Um, but just you know, it's just heart wrenching that because because the movie's so comedic and you, you're always laughing and, and Cameron's funny even though he's sad but but that moment really brings him down to or brings you down to earth as a viewer it's like okay this this is a man with real problems he's really struggling to know what he is and who he is and um he has that moment in the museum and and, I, and for me that's just very personal like something in, in high school that was how I was I didn't know what I was doing I was an idiot. <laughs> I didn't know like what, what I was going to do in college or for the rest of my life. I mean, I still don't really know, but especially then I was, you know, I was clueless and um yeah, so I feel like that that was that's a moment that definitely rings true to me and is very resonates. Um I feel like it's like the epitome of like coming of age. Yes, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like that exactly. scene right there. I also think that's something that, like, they did really well, though, is, like, they kind of switched back and forth between, like, the craziness, you know, that Ferris is doing, like, in the restaurant, you know, like, pretending mm-hmm. to be, like, some, you know, hot shot, right? To get yeah. the table. But, like, but then, like, they switched. He's in the bathroom, and he's talking, you know, to the camera, um, you know, about Cameron. So it's, like, I think, like, these transitions from, like, the more serious undertones with Cameron to, you know, the lighthearted, like, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like they balanced that pretty well, so it wasn't yeah. just like abrupt, like whoa, like vibe shift. You know what I mean? Like oh, but. yeah. And then it all comes comes to a conclusion when camera blows up in the end with the Ferrari and obviously pushes out the window. I think it would have been interesting if they ended the movie like I don't know, it was like ten or fifteen minutes earlier with Cameron's quote. No, I'll take it. No, I'll take it. No, no, you don't want this much heat. I want it. If I didn't want it, I wouldn't have let you take the car out this morning. I made you take the car this morning. I could have stopped you. It is possible to stop Mr. Ferris Bueller, you know. No, I want it, I'm gonna take it. That's it. When Morris comes home, he and I will just have a little chat. That I just, I feel like that's when he, I don't know. He, yeah. That's it. Not that the rest of the movie isn't good, but I no, I, I feel yeah. like that, that is definitely is the just, cl- emotional climax of the movie. Is yeah. that yeah? One other thing I wanted to talk about, so we don't talk about Cameron the whole time, is is the like the breaking of the fourth fourth wall style. Yeah, super cool. It's, it's not. I feel like it's not easy to do. Any that. like high school lit class, I feel like everyone's heard of this example, yeah. like of this movie where this is like the the classic example of breaking the fourth wall where it's like the character in case you don't know it's like when the character like like looks at the camera it's basically like (coughs) shattering like yeah yeah, right right referencing the audience yeah and 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 i feel like a lot of movies when they do that it's taking me out of the movie a little bit but with ferris bueller it's you you it it sucks you right in you're like oh i'm i'm in this talking to ferris right now we're having a moment together yeah it's you know it's sometimes it's almost like office-esque where like 
there'll be a moment and Cameron or not Cameron Ferris will look at the camera and kind of give you a look. Um, but it's no, it's it's great. It's really well done. We he, get most of the background too. I feel like from those scenes, like instead yeah. of like, like we hear Ferris like talking about Cameron's home life, right? Like instead of like them showing us that, I don't know. I feel like we learn so much from those little outtakes, but they're they're not boring. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and they flow per like they just fit yeah. right into the movie. There, it you don't even realize that he's breaking the fourth wall until you think about it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, I had noticed just for the first time the other night that the only other character to do it is Rooney. At the yeah. very end of the movie, after the credits, like he looks at the camera. He's the only other one, <laughs> which I think is very funny. Yeah, I love. I also love the way they end it where it you, he take, or John Hughes takes you through the whole credit scene. You know, yeah. you, go, you are not done with the movie until the very last second. You know, even how many people went into that movie. Yeah. Like, oh my God. No, it's. Yeah, it's no, really impressive. no, I, like I love that. It's just really like clever. I think also like this is more like back to like his other movies. Like I think I feel like in those movies, like if you guys have seen them, like the main character is is almost like the more like down to earth one, right? Or not not the Ferris isn't, but like kind of the more serious one. Especially like I'm thinking of like Molly Ringwald. Like she's never like the silly character. Like she's pretty like kind of serious and like the people around her are kind of like funny or silly or whatever and i feel like this like movie it's very different whereas ferris the main character is like kind of the silly like like the the geek or whatever in 16 candles with is it anthony michael hall like yeah it's he's like the main character actually fun fact he wanted to be ferris i think Hmm. or cameron i don't remember i don't remember whatever but um i don't know i think that was interesting that like the more serious character is actually cameron who's kind of the side character but actually i don't agree with that anymore because like as we've been saying i think it's more a story about cameron than it is about ferris but we have some but. some fun facts uh that that are pretty fun and uh what do we got mckenna all right um another tie to breakfast club which you wouldn't appreciate uh, Emilio estevez actually he was gonna be given the role of cameron he was andrew clark in the breakfast club He'd done that, I think, a year before, but then it went to Alan Rook. And Molly Ringwald wants to play Sloane, but John Hughes, like, he told her that apparently, like, the part, like, wasn't big enough for her. And he wanted someone older to play her, but then the actress was actually, like, 18 or something. But do you want Matthew Broderick and Jennifer Grey? Oh. Oh, you can say that. Apparently they were engaged. I didn't know this. I, I usually, I know the celebrity tea, but no, they were engaged, apparently, like, going into the movie, and then... And that's the Ferris Bueller's sister. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's the sister. But the so, actress, she's in Dirty Dancing. Oh, my God, watch Dirty Dancing. We'll do, we'll do Dirty she, Dancing. Oh, my God, that would be so good. Um, but, yeah, then there was this, like, they were in this car accident, and two people died in it. I think, like, the stress of that, they ended up splitting. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> apparently the parents were, were dating on set, and then they ended up getting married. Ferris Bueller's parents. So that's a fun fact. They divorced, like, two years later. And then they divorced. Uh, apparently Paul McCartney... Like, oh yeah, he like was fine with them using like twist and shout, but he thought it had like way too much brass. Like, yeah, I see. So he's like really unhappy after yeah. the movie came out. John Hughes is very upset that he offended a beetle, as he should be. <laughs> I would be if I offended a beetle. I don't know how if I could live with myself. He's fine. Ugh. He's John Hughes. Yeah, he's like. John Hughes. He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then Charlie Sheen at the end. Apparently, oh. he didn't sleep for two days to prepare for 
he looks terrible. <laughs> Charlie Sheen looks like he didn't sleep for two days, and it's because he didn't. But also, yeah. his character is so vital. If he hadn't met Jeannie, yeah. like she never would have let Ferris inside. It's such a funny little part of that movie. Yeah. Oh, the jersey. Yeah, Gordy Howe gave Alan Ruck that jersey to wear for the movie, which is incredible. Um, I am upset because I really want to be Cameron for Halloween. But I can't find that jersey for less than like two hundred dollars. So, uh, if anyone has Those jerseys are expensive, like regardless. I know. I know. He's like, is there one, one for like twenty bucks? Like, no, like you're not <laughs> gonna find that. I want one so bad. It'd be so cool. Do we know? Oh yeah, we know what movie we're doing next. Hell yeah! I'm <laughs> so excited for this one. Oh my god. McKenna's favorite movie. She's yes. making me watch it oh, for our next god. podcast. Oh my god! I'm being held hostage. Yes. On this one. What is it? What are we doing? Oh my god, it's Halloween. It's Halloween. <laughs> it's Halloween. Oh my god. I like get so excited. Well, we'll have a good one. Uh hopefully it'll be out. It'll probably be out around Halloween time. Right in time for the the season. Yeah, check out our Halloween episode on Halloween. We're not, we're not no, not on Halloween before. <laughs> well, the, on the movie Halloween. They need to like know about it to watch it. it. No, it uh, watch our next episode. It, listen to it about the movie halloween yeah. but not but before ha- halloween just had like a stroke or yeah i don't know if you haven't seen confusing. it go watch it we're gonna talk about it yeah it's amazing yeah thank you for listening yeah thank uh you. this has been movie night with joseph and mckenna mckenna oh also huge thank you to helton yes um he's a musical producer that i know very talented guy he made us this the intro and outro music so really appreciate that and uh if you want to check out helton's uh music his instagram is helton h-e-l-t-o-n-j-p underscore uh really talented producer great guy yeah and we'll see you next week yeah for halloween for halloween (laughs) (laughs) oh and in case i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it.